Thanks to Audible for supporting Motley Fool Answers. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com slash fool, or you can text F-O-O-L to 500-500. Nice. Who knew? Hello, listeners. It's 2018, and this is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool. Hello, bro. Happy New Year to you, Allison. Let's all shake off that holiday hangover and look at the mess we made and the stuff we bought. Ugh. With the gift-giving season just behind us, we thought this might be a great time to talk about organization and how to deal with hoarding, whether it's you or your loved one. We'll also answer your question about how to estimate your expenses in retirement. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. It's time for Answers Answers. And today's question comes uh, across the Twitters. By the way, we are on Twitter at Answers Podcast. Uh, This comes from Elliot. Elliot writes, I realize it's largely dependent on lifestyle, but is there any good way to estimate how much money I'll spend per year in retirement? Considering things like inflation, high healthcare costs, and different income tax, it seems a bit complex. It is complex, Elliot, and you're right that it is dependent on your situation, but let's take a look at, generally speaking, how spending changes throughout our lifetime, thanks to the Consumer Expenditure Survey from the U.S. Bureau of Statistics. My favorite bureau. (laughs) Of all the bureaus, it is your favorite. So, uh, for folks, and this is as of 2013, so for folks in the age group of 25 to 34, on average, they spend about $48,000 a year. From there, expenditures go up and peak for those who are in the 45 to 54 age group. On average, they spend $60,500 a year. But then it goes down. So, people in the first decade of retirement, that's 65 to 74 age group, they're spending about 46700 So, basically, back to where you were when you were 25 to 34. So, Elliot, depending on your age, I would say, if you are younger in your career, you're probably at about the same spending level that you will be when you retire. For people who are in those peak earning and spending years, late 40s, early 50s, I think you can assume that you will spend about 80% of what you are currently spending in retirement. That's a rule of thumb. Once you are within a decade of retirement, and certainly within five years, it makes sense to actually pull up some sort of a calculator or spreadsheet and really honestly look at your expenses today and how they will change in your retirement. And all you have to do is search on the internet for something like retirement expense worksheet or calculator, and you'll find plenty. The big changes will probably be A, will you still be paying a mortgage? In retirement, because if you've paid off your mortgage before you retire, that's a big expense that goes away. Savings. Right now, ideally, you're contributing to your IRAs and 401ks. That's an expense that'll go away. Um, number of people in your household. Right now, you might have kids in your household, and you're feeding them, ideally, clothing them, saving for college. That's stuff that will go away. And taxes for most people in retirement go down significantly. You're no longer paying Social Security and Medicare taxes. You've probably dropped. Generally, people drop at least a tax bracket once they go into retirement. On the, other hand, on the other hand, of course, some expenses will go up. You might buy that RV. You might go on trips. Healthcare is a big one, and you point that out, Elliot, in in your tweet, because you might be an employer that covers all your expenses, and that your out of pocket healthcare costs are not very high. Once you retire, then you're responsible for those with the help of Medicare. On the flip side, you might be self employed and paying a lot of money for healthcare. Once you go on Medicare, you'll actually sort of saving money. 
So that's why you really have to work that out for your own situation once you get within five to 10 years of retirement. Thanks to Audible for supporting Motley Fool Answers. For our audience, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. When you're all caught up on your podcast, like Motley Fool Answers, Audible's selection of audiobooks is unmatched anywhere. If you want it, Audible has it. Hey, Rick, do you have a recommendation for our listeners? My kids have really enjoyed the audio version of the book Wonder, which was recently made into a movie with uh, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts and uh, Owen Wilson. Yes. Really great story about a kid in school and dealing with adversity. I won't, I won't talk too much about it, but okay. it's a really wonderful story. And the audio version is particularly good. So oh, go oh, Audible. Yay. Uh, since this is, whole episode is about decluttering, I'm going to recommend, of course, Marie Kondo's book about the life-changing magic of tidying up. Have you read it or listened to it? I don't believe I have. Ah. Well, it's going to change the way you fold your clothes. I I guarantee you cannot read this book without changing how you put your clothes in a drawer. That's for sure. Bro, how about you? I will recommend Michael Lewis's book that came out a year ago called The Undoing Project, A Friendship That Changed Our Minds. It was the book about Amos Tversky and Danny Kahneman, who are basically the pioneers of behavioral finance. All right, so if any of those sound good to you, you can get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash fool, or you can text fool to 500-500. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash F-O-O-L, or text F-O-O-L to 500-500. I ended up with too much stuff. No matter what it cost me, I couldn't get enough. Got to put it all behind me. Got to give it all up. I ended up with too much stuff. As Tyler Durden of Fight Club fame once... Oh, nuts. I wasn't supposed to talk about that. Well, whatever. He once said, the things you own end up owning you. And today, with the help of Matt Paxton, extreme cleaning expert, you may remember him from the A&E show Hoarders. I do remember him. I loved that show. We're going to talk about stuff and how you can help yourself and your loved ones let go of the things that are getting in the way of a good life. So... Matt actually came by Fool HQ and was interviewed by Michael Douglas. He's the deputy editor for Fool.com. So, let's just eavesdrop on their conversation, shall we? Let's do it. Why do we care so much about stuff, in your professional this opinion? This is my professional opinion. Um, hoarding is about finding happiness in, in stuff, happiness and self-worth. Uh, I think we get lost in work. We get lost in other parts of our lives. It's no different than being a gambling addict. Um, I was a gambling. That's where I lost my life was gambling. I lost everything gambling. So I look for my happiness and my self-worth in gambling. Could have been drugs. Could have been alcohol. With our hoarders, it happens to be stuff. Um, I think we live in a pocket of time. We're coming out of it. The millennials don't seem to care as much about stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, but if you were, you know, I'm 42. I think really like 60 to 42, it was, you know, it's what we cared about. It's what gave us our status. It's what gave us self-worth. I think you are seeing the next generation um, services a little more value, like mm-hmm. service is what they do. Volunteering is what they're doing. Um, I dare you to start a business now that doesn't have a service mentality where you're giving stuff away. You won't succeed, right? So I think we're seeing that switch. But at the end of the day, we had a bubble of th- 30 to 50 years where America was all about consumerism. Show me what you, I mean... Think of the car, I mean, the car industry is a great example. It got bigger and bigger. Cadillac got bigger, 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 bigger. And now it's this tiny little sedan. And by the way, Cadillac will be a brand that's gone in 10 years. Saturn was a great example. It was cheap, cheap, cheap. And then now Saturn died. Yeah. Because we wanted big, big, big. Once the internet boom hit, we wanted bigger, bigger, better, better. 
I mean, Tesla's amazing now. Something will beat Tesla in 20 years. Probably a rocket ship, but, or, or like a, something else. But like, everything that's cool right now is cyclical. It will change. I mean, I knew that on Hoarders. I knew that it was really hot. I mean, when on Tonight Show, I'm like, this is insane that, uh, like, that I'm on The Tonight Show. Like, this is going to be over in, in a year. Like, I should have been able to enjoy that night. And all I was thinking was, this is like, this is going to be over next month. Like, this is all going to crash, and how am I going to pay my bills? Because I was just trying to think, what's next? You mentioned, you know, it seems to be a lot of folks who are um, parents to a lot of the people in the audience here. Um, certainly my folks keep a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know if you classify them as hoarders or just people who are a little bit cluttered. It's kind of hard to figure out where that line is. But how do you start those conversations with a parent who has too much stuff? Like, you've seen these. Oh, I see it all the time. So this is not crazy hoarding. This is just mom has saved every picture we ever did uh, from, you know, elementary school to now. She's got every ribbon I won in high school. Every, you know, stuff that Debate doesn't trophies. matter. Yeah, stuff that doesn't matter to you and I, but it really matters to our mom. Mm-hmm. What's really going on there is um, that's when they were happiest. They were growing their family. Their family was at home. They were full. It was awesome. They felt really good. Now you guys move on. You get a job. You, get, they do, you do everything they wanted you to do, mm-hmm. but they've got this empty castle, and they're sad, and that's why they keep bringing other stuff in. I mean, my mom was... She had more pictures framed than she had space for in her entire house because she was trying to relive those 20 years that did exist. Um, I think it's really important to say to Grandma, hey, chill out on this stuff. We want time. I really have been making a big push from switching from stuff to time. Get out there. Spend time. But if it's grand, you know, I've got young kids, so now it's grandma versus it's not my mom anymore. It's sure. their grandma. And so we're like, chill out on the Christmas gifts. We don't need any of this stuff. Let's go do something fun. And so we push really, really, really on time, not stuff. How do you start that conversation? You just be brutally honest. That is a style that's worked for me in everything that I do. I'm brutally honest. Sometimes it's uh, misunderstood as, as um, rude. Uh, I don't feel it that way. I feel like it's brutally honest. And I just say, hey, mom, you got way too much stuff. We don't need a thousand coat hangers. How about six? Now, my mom, well, yeah. And as she gets upset, she's, no, those are my coat hangers. Blah, blah, blah. She's my mom. I'm, it's actually at my mom. I was cleaning out her attic. And turns out, those were my stepdad's coat hangers. Those are the ones that he had where he hung all of his clothes on. And it had taken my mom five years just to get rid of his clothes after he died. So for her, it was the last thing she had of his. Mm. So once I got to that conversation, I found out, oh, this isn't coat hangers. This is, she misses my stepdad. Um, I had to then turn around and take my own lesson and be like, okay, I need to go spend time with my mom. Just because I have kids and a fancy job doesn't mean I need to ignore my mom. And so I often will start that conversation after like, we go bowling or we go get ice cream or we go do something cool as a family. Again, then we start to say, hey, do we really need all this stuff? Let's start to pare this down. Don't do the conversation like, hey, mom, you want me to, you're going to leave this with me to deal with after you die? That's often a really bad way I've heard it said. I could see that. Yeah. It's telling your mom she's going to die is not the best way to start that conversation. Although it's true, you don't need to say that. Speaking of which... Um, yeah, you're all wondering where this is going. Uh, so, so a lot of your work at Legacy Navigators is based around estate cleanup. Um, how, how do people start preparing for the inevitability of parents, grandparents, close loved ones dying and, and sort of getting their 
let's say, material and emotional affairs in order. Yeah, we're at the beginning of a 30-year bubble of a lot of people dying. We talk about the aging population and the boomers, but what we don't talk about is their parents are dying and then they're going to die over the next 30 years. Um, again, I use brutal honesty. I'm right at it. It's like, look, mathematically, you got 20 good years left. My, do you want to hold, like, my mom is still holding on to this. She is dangling that you're going to get this piano when I die. I'm like, mom, I will be 65 when you die. Like, I'm not really going to care about the piano. My kids are going to be 30. Do you really want to, if you want us to enjoy this piano, let's bring it over now. So I really strongly encourage, hey, if you've got something you want to give, give it away now. Focus on the, let the family enjoy it now. And you'll actually find out the truth. Turns out my mom does not really want me to enjoy that piano. She really still likes it. She feels like it's the one thing that controls me and makes me come back, right? So we talked about it. I was like, Ma, I still love you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moving to Colorado if I don't get this piano, right? And so what it turned out is now I bring the kids over to play the piano once a week. That's what she wanted. Just get right at it. Hey, Mom, if you want me to have that thing, let's, let's, let's give it to me. But getting right at it, talking about it, and putting in a plan in place. I mean, I think financial management is a great transition there. Uh, we talk a lot about, okay, great. Like a lot of houses we go into, people don't have wills. They don't have anything. And so they, the kids don't even know like, what they're receiving. Um, I wouldn't talk about it when you're in a fight with your parents, but when things are good after vacation, like, hey, heads up, we need, we need to start planning. We need to talk about finances. We need to talk about where mom and dad are going to go if one of you pass. And let's, do you even have a will? That's actually a great starter. Mom, do you guys even have a will? I don't care if I'm in it. I just need to know, do you have it? And by the way, are you planning on, I hope you're going to, I mean, what I start with, I hope you're going to spend all your money. Like, I hope you spend everything before you die. Like, I don't want any of it. But let's plan that out. Let's make sure it's not like next month you're out of money. And so I think it's an okay conversation. Obviously, being in this room, finances is something we can talk about. I go right at it and talk about it before I talk. It's easier to talk about finances than, hey, dad's probably going to die before you do. Although the finances are actually in place to pay for mom to have some place to live. You don't want to start with it. You want to say, hey, let's look at your finances. You don't want to say, hey, dad looks pretty bad. I think he's going to die next year. There's a different way to say that. But finances is the easiest jumping point. And start with, I don't want any of your money. I want you to spend it all before you go. I really tell the parents, look, nobody wants your stuff. The kids want the money. They want like a picture and maybe a watch, and that's it. And so um, I, I often tell parents, say, hey, you know what? Your kids are just going to pay me with your money to clean all this up when you die. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, your kids don't want this stuff. They're going to fight over a few things. It's going to create an argument. And then they're going to pay me with your money to get rid of all this. Or we could do it now. Your choice. Now, what did I do there? I gave them a choice. I didn't say, Mom, you have to do this. Because also, this is a big issue in the communication side of this. As people age, they're losing control of more and more and more and more. And this generation had control of everything. They, they ruled the world. I mean, from the, from the oldest, over 85, they went to the war and, and came back and created our country to the youngest boomers. They inherited all that money, and they kind of had a really good life. And you're going to see that as they lose their control, they get really, really upset. So anything you phrase to them needs to be in, hey, you can do this or you can do this. Now, you can weight it the way you want it to go. I, with my kids, I do this. Hey, buddy, you can stay up and watch the movie if you eat your vegetables, or you can go straight to bed. Your choice. Now, that's a dumbed-down version of that. But give your parents, give your grandparents options. They need to be in control. Let's say that the pre-planning hasn't happened. You know, I mean, a lot of... Pre-planning never happens. Right. <laughs> the pre-planning hasn't happened, and you're kind of... And folks are kind of coming into this tough conversation with siblings, you know, 
mom and dad have both just died. There's a ton of stuff. There's no will. How, how can people navigate those conversations better? Yeah, if mom and dad have both just died uh, and you and your brothers and sisters are sitting there, um, first I say is don't have that conversation the week of the funeral if you don't have to. That is like the highest emotions possible. And you think you're talking about a saucer and you end up saying that, you know, you're mad at your sister because she stole your boyfriend in fifth grade, right? I mean, like, I see these crazy, just idiotic conversations that have nothing to do with the items. It's just the items are an outlet for the anger. So I actually tell families to go bowling. This sounds silly. One of our guys, uh, Jamar, this guy that works for us, uh, a field services guy, and uh, he said, man, I dare you to not have fun bowling. It's like, what? He goes, you can't not have fun. It's awesome. He goes, so these people are fighting. We should take them bowling. I was like, it's not a horrible idea. Go have fun. Go celebrate. Tell the stories. And then come back and deal with the stuff. Um, We're old school. We pull popsicle sticks. Everybody, independent person holds popsicle sticks. Someone grows the the longest one. The longest one starts. And then it goes down by size. And then it rotates around. There's a lot of new technology. The website, a really cool piece of software called Fair Split. It uses like a, a, almost like a, like a bidding, you can bid against your family members for certain items. Uh, that gets really technologically advanced. I'm just saying, straight up, independent, pull straws, and then you just go in a row. And you're never going to be totally happy. Your parents just died. It's not about the stuff. It's really about the emotions. It's easier, a lot of our clients, one family dies. And so mom is still alive. or dad is, And that makes our job a lot easier because then our job is to sell everything to get as much money possible for mom to live on. That makes it a lot easier. That's something I'm sure the kids can usually get behind. Too. Yeah, the kids are like, oh my God, I don't want to pay for mom's nursing. Do you know how much nursing homes cost? They're like, sell it all. Go for it. And that makes it really easy. We had a question beforehand, and I'm just going to quote it. All right. I'm a collector of things and an impulse buyer who feels weirdly attached to most things in my home. Now my home is full of stuff. How do I even begin to prioritize what stays and what goes? How do I set meaningful short-term goals towards an overall cleaner life? I think first ask yourself, is this stuff harming you, putting a roadblock into a future life? Like, do you not have friends over because of it? Do you not have a partner because of it? Um, If so, if you have so much stuff in your house that you physically don't have room for families and friends, then yeah, it's an issue. Is it hoarding? I don't really care. The label doesn't matter. If it's harming your life, if it's holding your life back, it is an issue. Um, I I don't go for value. Financial value, I go for utilitarian value, personal value. What do I like the most? If, it's no secret, I, desp- I despise cats and beanie babies. Hate them. Can't, I can't stand either of them. But if that's what you dig, if you like cat beanie babies, whatever. I mean, like, if that's what you dig and it brings you happiness and it brings you joy and you can do it in a small space where you have, where you have a place for your friends to come and share it with you, awesome. If you've just got a whole box... A whole room, I mean, because I go to a lot of houses, and they have whole rooms. Those are all my Beanie Babies. They're my favorite things in the world. Great, they're boxed up in a room that nobody sees. Yeah, but they're my favorite. Yeah, but you're not getting any joy yeah. out of them. Exactly, there's no joy in them. So that's where I challenge you, is just the things that bring you the most joy, show them. Get them out of the boxes, get them up for people to see. And then make sure you invite people over to see them. Uh, if it's in a box, you, you really don't care about it. I don't, I don't put my wife in a, in a box. Say, so you guys would love my wife. She's the greatest. She's amazing. You can't see her. I've got her hidden away. It sounds, it's a dumb example. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to show what you love and share it with the world. 
so it's matter, uh, sort of almost a matter of prioritization there, right? Then. Yeah. And by the way, you don't have unlimited space for unlimited joy. You only have X amount of space. So bring joy in the space. I mean, I, I always say this all the time. Like, it's not my place to tell you what's valuable, what's not. That's up to you individually. I mean, but you only have space. Like, if it's chicken, you love chickens, great. You only got space for 20 chickens. Like, that's it. So my job is to explain the, the spatial limits. Uh, we're in, and, and I think where that's happened is our parents didn't have credit. It didn't really exist. They had cash. And so they were, spot, they were taught cash management. They were taught actual like spatial management because, oh, I have to work really hard and save money to buy the one item I want. We don't have to do that. We don't even have to go get it. We can just go on Amazon Prime, buy it on a credit card. It shows up in 20 minutes. The convenience factor of our modern lives has really harmed us as far as understanding spatial and, and limits. And so I would really just say, like, just because you want it doesn't mean you need it or have space for it. I mean, get really focused on, okay, I have six shelves on my bookshelf. Well, that's what I can fill. That's what I have space for. If I don't, then I need to sell it. Uh, the, what are my the rules? How do I get there? Two main rules. Equal in, equal out. If you buy something new, get rid of something old. People look at me like I'm crazy. You buy a new pair of jeans, get rid of those size 28 that don't fit anymore. You're a size 36. 28s probably aren't going to fit. My whole closet's that way. So that's equal in, equal out. If I buy something new, something goes. Tennis shoes are a tough one. I got a brand new pair of shoes. Do I get rid of an old pair of shoes that I wore in high school or college? I could, but I wore those to my favorite track meet. I loved them. They were great. You don't need it. Equal in, it's a firm rule. Equal in, equal out. And then I do a 10-minute sweep every night. Whoever wrote that one, I, I love this one. 10-minute sweep. I clean every night from 7.50 to 8. When Jeopardy's, when I hear the final Jeopardy, I start winding down. I mean, clean for, don't, if you look at your house as a whole, whole big, you know, big project, it's too overwhelming. Because it might have taken you 15 years or 10 years to fill it up. You can't clean it in a night. You can't clean it in a day. So I do, t I do a one foot by one foot area or a two foot by two foot area. And I, every night I do 10 minutes. And that's it. And within a month, two months, your house will be where you want it. But if you try to tackle it right away, it's too big. With all that in mind, any ideas for how to make space more effective? Those really cheap uh, shoe horn uh, hanging bags that you get at Target for like 12 bucks, the, the ones that are clear plastic, they're awesome. They're really, really awesome. You can hang them on the back of a door. You can get all your, I think they're great for bathrooms. They're great for kids' toys. Um, my sons have all their, uh, all their tools and stuff in it, so each get a row based on the height of the kid. You could do a lot with one of those little $12 roll-up plastic. Do we know what we're talking about? They're like shoe horn things. They're really, really good. I'm a big Ziploc guy. I think Ziploc's like the greatest thing in the world. I get the big, uh, the air bags, the, like the massive like two-gallon bags, and I put all my winter clothes in there, squish it out, put it under the bed. Um, I think the key is you've got to dedicate time to this cleaning. You can't, like, a lot of the, I mean, the extreme hoarded houses I go into, I go in there, and there's a whole room full of, like, vac like six brand-new vacuums, ten brand-new plastic bins, and all these little organizing tools. So they made the effort. They had the desire. They made the effort to go buy the stuff, but they didn't dedicate any time to actually do the action. And I would compare that to, like, me going out and buying brand-new running shoes, brand-new running shorts, and a brand-new you know, brand shirt, and then I expect to lose weight. I actually have to go work out and make the effort. And that's where we lose it. We don't do the effort. So it's dedicating, and again, I say 10 minutes a night. 
Uh, weekends, probably not going to happen. You want to do other stuff on the weekend. And this isn't hoarding. This is just regular stuff. But if, if, think about it. If you wake up and you're like, oh, God, look at this stuff all over the floor. Oh, God, those are all my clothes from three years ago. I mean, oh, those are my T-shirts from, you know, my last job when I worked at Capital One six years ago. You know, those types of things. You can get rid of those things. You don't need them. But when you look at it as a whole, it's too big. But you've got to dedicate time. I do the first snow. I think that's a great time to clean. First time it snows. I live in Richmond, so the school. The, that's like once a down. year. Once, once every a year, years. yeah, once a year. We get once a year. But I will go in and clean pretty hardcore. If the like, you know, if there's a game I could care less about on a Sunday night football game, then I'll go in and clean my closet for an hour. But you got to dedicate that time. We have no problem dedicating time to education, to our family, to our friends. We actually don't dedicate to ourselves. And I actually like that you guys brought me here on wellness. Is clutter really about wellness? Yeah, it's mental wellness. It is overwhelming. People don't understand. I mean, my hoarding work is at the extreme level. But, like, I always compare it to, like, uh, North Face jackets. Like, I buy a jacket that could go on, you know, on Mount Rainier or on Mount Everest. Do I need that type of jacket? No, I might, You're go, in up, Richmond. Yeah, I might <laughs> go up Afton Mountain. That's it. But hoarding is, the, is Everest. Our house is a normal mountain, right? You still got to work out, and you still got to do the effort. So just dedicate 20 minutes a week, 10 minutes a night or, or an hour a week, something. Dedicate a little bit of time, and don't underestimate donating. Donate, 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 donate. And donate somewhere that actually matters. I'm not big on Goodwill. I'm not big on um, Salvation Army. I go to, like, um, immediate, we call it immediate use I mean, Goodwill is actually a, a, the eighth largest retailer in the country. People don't realize that. And that's where majority of my hoarders buy. Um, I go to, like, uh, Catholic charities or better women's shelters, places, immigrant uh, donation centers, places where these people, like, just got here and they got nothing. They'll really appreciate what you have. And that has nothing to do about the money. People who are on hoarders who sort of stop hoarding, how long does that last? Great question. How long does it stick? Uh, with my method from Legacy Navigator, the method I've created, uh, with therapy, we have a 60% success rate. With therapy. Without therapy, you might want to guess how low that number is. It, not even at zero. It will happen again without therapy. If you've got a buddy that's an alcoholic, and all you do is just take away his beer, have you done anything to help him? He's going to be angry. He's going to do what? Go buy more beer. You have to treat the cause. And the cause is some kind of tragedy, something bad happened to them somewhere in life. You don't just wake up one day like, I want to start hoarding at a really excessive level. Right? There's easier ways to, 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 to live. Uh, it's actually a horrific. I mean, think of all the bad things. Like, think if you, if you know anybody has a drinking problem and every bottle they've ever drank out of was stacked outside their house. I, I can absolutely speak to myself. I'm 42. If I had every bottle I've ever drank out of, it would be higher than my house, that pile. Right? But that's actually what happens to our hoarders. They can't hide their secrets. It's the most visual secret that there exists. You've got to do the therapy. Now, therapy doesn't necessarily mean sit on a couch and talk about your feelings. That's not. Is an 85-year-old guy going to sit on his couch and talk about his feelings? No. But he can't. There's a lot of workbooks. There's a lot of uh, volunteering. There's a lot of groups. I've seen uh, AmeriCorps has a really cool uh, senior volunteer corps now. We're over 65. They go out and they volunteer. And we've had a lot of our hoarders do very well in that situation. Hoarders are incredibly intelligent. It's usually paper. It's books and paper for a reason. They're, they're highly educated. Um, we're actually in one of the top three, the top three hoarding areas in the country, Boston, San Francisco, and D.C. Why is that? High education, high income. 
So they're super, super smart. They need to put those brains to work. Just telling them to sit on a couch and don't do anything, that's like the worst thing you can do for a hoarder. Teacher's the number one job for hoarders. They were a teacher or a nurse or a social worker. And all three caregivers, highly educated. They all have masters, most of them. So you gotta give them something to do with their brains. You can't just clean the house out and say, well, good luck, hope it works out. At what point did you start uh, encouraging people to go to therapy? It was about year three when I realized the people that were going to therapy did really well, and the people that didn't would always return. And we had a rule that we wouldn't come back a second time. And we had people just begging us. Because it would, it would take us you know, two weeks to clean the house out, and then they would fill it back up you know, by, the, by Christmas. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I happened to be at a conference. Back then, we didn't even understand what the causes of hoarding were. And we were just all sitting around. We were like, oh, this, maybe this is, this is a just, they used to, it used to be a subset of OCD. And we found out that's totally wrong. Um, it's tragedy. It's trauma. And I had enough people tell me about their trauma and their tragedy. Because I'm a little different. I'm not a therapist. I'm a trash man. And I have a lot of failure. And so I'm very open about my failures. I, I had a gambling addiction. I've had a lot of issues. Um, but I would sit there and tell well, I'd be talking to my hoarder. We'd be cleaning out their garage, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I lost everything to a bookie, and I would tell all my stories. And then they would be like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what I did. And then they would tell me their horror stories. And I realized then I was like, oh, this is real deal. Like, this is, this is trauma. This has nothing to do with OCD. We need to get them in therapy. And we just started testing it. And, you know, it tested very, very well. And we'd see that they would do more. So now to the point we won't even touch the house unless they agree to therapy. We, the math tells us, like, it's, without therapy, it's going to come back. And so we think it's unethical to actually clean the house if they don't do some type of aftercare. Um, volunteering is, it, I, I want to really press, if they get addicted to volunteering, that's like the, or they go to assisted living. Those are the two best groups you can get into. Because they're, they're, they're addictive behaviors. They're gonna, they need to fill their life with something large. Volunteering is the best way to do that. Because it comes back to what I said at the beginning. They get a hug and, a, and a, they don't get a check, but they get a hug every day. And all hoarding is, is people want love. They want attention. They want self-worth. They want value. If they're getting that replaced with something else, they'll do very well. Matt Paxton is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Legacy Navigator. It's a company that specializes in estate cleanouts and settlements. So if you find yourself inheriting an estate from someone who's struggled with hoarding, you might want to check out LegacyNavigator.com. That's the show. It's edited tidily by Rick Engdahl. Our email is answers at fool.com. We're also on Twitter at Answers Podcast. And if you're on Facebook, might I recommend our private Facebook group for Motley Fool Podcast listeners. And it sounds private, but it's mostly private just because we want to keep out people who are rude. Because we're all good, nice people. Absolutely. And we don't like to let the trolls in. So, just uh, search on Facebook for Motley Fool Podcast, and then you just have to ask for an invite, and you shall receive. So, for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.